Hello, everyone. Welcome back to um, Into Miyazaki's World. And this is part two of House Moving Castle, where we're going to talk more about the, psycholo the psychology of the characters in the movie. So, yeah, I don't want to say, but let's jump right into it. Yeah, so, so yeah. we have the same people as last time. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Avery. I'm Sarah. And we all know wonderful Betty. <laughs> <laughs> we can just get right into it, like mm -hmm. she said. So last time I think we ended with talking about the physical war because we thought that would be a good transition into the second part where we're going to talk about, as Betty called it, the eternal war uh, the characters face throughout this movie. So what should we start with any specific characters or we could talk about um, the theme of family as a whole because I know that was one we didn't touch on last time. Mm-hmm. Um. I have a question. I don't remember much, but have we touched like ageism yet or no? No, we are saving we, that for yeah. today. Okay, yeah. Or we can talk about family first and then move on. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, all good. So, yeah. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing that I think about when I think of this theme of family in the film is kind of like... Um, your chosen family versus your blood family because we can kind of see in the beginning uh, that the family Sophie has is maybe not the most encouraging or accepting of who she is. Um, whereas when uh, Sophie ends up with Hal and that whole family, um, I feel like it's kind of this theme of like chosen family. But what do y'all think? Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. It feels at the beginning when you see Sophie's actual family, they it seems that they are very um, just like absent it feels like she's she's kind of like on her own her mom's off doing whatever getting a new husband I guess at the end yeah and then her sister's doing this bakery thing and she has like all these people that adore her and Sophie's just like at the hat shop you know so it just feels like she doesn't have any support really from her family and when she gets to meet um Hal and Markle you know in uh Calcifer she's able to have the support that she needed from her actual family you know she was able to find people who were there for her yeah yeah I agree with you all about that and for me what Sophie calls is her family I say it's like in my notes a home because I feel like where's your house lies is is that your home where you being understood by the people who love you so that's what Sophie do when she just spend her maybe her life with the house and the yeah. people in the castle yeah no, I agree, and I like the fact that you said home is more of the people that make up that home rather than the physical home itself, because we actually see that play out in the film uh, when Sophie makes the decision to take uh, Calcifer out of the fire pit and take everyone out, and it essentially destroys the home. But um, I believe, let's see, I think I wrote down a quote. Um, maybe I didn't, but I, I think she says, I, she destroys the home essentially, right? And they're all kind of concerned about it. But she kind of says something like, you know, may, well, maybe it's about time <laughs> it got destroyed. Yeah. Like, yeah. just let it be. Yeah. And so, yeah. Like, their survival is more important than this house they've created. And I think at this part in the film, it's especially um, kind of moving because Hal had taken the time to make it, like, into an actual home. Like, when he remakes the home, yeah. when they first go through that moving process, which that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe we should go back a little bit to the beginning because that's later in the movie. 
Um, so when we first see them start developing that family is I would say when Sophie first actually enters the house. So um, just a refresher on that scene from what I remember. Um, she kind of walks in. She just pretends to be a cleaning lady um, that has been hired by Calcifer. And I kind of like Markle's interaction. He's just like, who is this lady? <laughs> and he goes about his business running the shop. So what did y'all think about those like first interactions? No, that one is so funny for me because it's actually like a stranger getting to your house and Marco would just like, who is the, this lady? But it's not panicking, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I still remember like I used to be in the same situation when I forgot to lock my dorm room. And it's just my friend get in, but uh, it, it's still so weird when when I wake up and I saw that's not my roommate, but somebody else. I freaked out, but I, yeah. It's just weird when Marco just react like it's normal thing. Yeah, he's just like, who's this old lady? <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a general chaos in Hell's Castle, so it's probably not too unexpected that there's just some random person in the middle of it, but... um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, especially their reaction to when the Witch of the Waste is just in their household because Sophia has brought like, it Like, oh, our enemy is here. Yeah, I mean, Calcifer <laughs> starts beefing with her immediately. Yeah. But I think Hal was very passive. He's just like, oh, so we got we're got another addition to the family or something yeah. like that. Yeah. He, inv- he even, like, create a new room for everybody to stay when he built up the house later again yeah Yeah, he was like i added a new bathroom because our family seems to be growing growing. oh that was so sweet that was cute and then we also have once again back to like those initial scenes the breakfast scene where um sophie is able to make breakfast which i think it's kind of also a testament to her growing um confidence in herself because she's just kind of like no, you're going to cook for me, Calcifer. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but uh, the fact that she, you know, sees Markle just trying to eat, like, a, a loaf of bread and some cheese. And she's like, no, you need a real breakfast. She just immediately kind of takes on this, like, maternal role for him. And it's really sweet. Yeah. No, I love that scene so much. Because for Markle, I still have n- no idea, like, his background. Like, yeah. you mentioned earlier that we don't know like whose family or whose parent of Markle and where he's come from, what he's end up with how. And I found it something very interesting on the internet, like somebody um, talking about Markle, just like, what me Yeah, it's the innocent child-like part of how. So now I wonder like, is that a real person or just like something how make up again? But yeah, it's interesting to have somebody like interpret it that way. Yeah, yeah, that is true because we don't know where he comes from. So I I could see that that there's this idea that maybe Howell was lonely and so he maybe created this child out of magic to kind of match his childish energy that we definitely see in the beginning. But I don't know. That's an interesting yeah. fan theory. An yeah. interesting, an interesting take. <laughs> It's not just interesting once, twice for Sarah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I like the breakfast scene, too. Um, it's And even when Hal walks in, he's just like, <laughs> Sophie, like, I remember Sophie's just cooking, and she's just like, um, l- l- act natural <laughs> when Hal walks in, because she's just, like, taking over his house a little bit. Um, and it's, it's, so, it's so nice to see how easy he is to accept her. But, I mean, it also kind of does beg a question about the nature of Sophie's curse. Do y'all think that Hal recognized Sophie the moment he saw her when she's under the curse? 
I don't know for sure if, like, the moment he saw her, but I know he saw her sleeping, like, that night after they yeah. done the breakfast that day, um, and she was young again. So there is a possibility he either knew from the very beginning or he knew then, basically. So, but he, I, I know whenever he looked at people who were cursed, he was like, oh, you've got a nasty curse on you. So I'm sure he knew to some extent that, like, def- something definitely was up, you know? Yeah, I agree with Sarah. I think he's know that this lady is under some kind of curse, but he doesn't know like a real um, identity of Sophie. So maybe because like um, he knows that she carries some kind of spell from the Witch of the Ways that gave to her in the pocket, the paper. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe he knows that there's a curse just happened there, yeah. but not actually, like, know that person. Personally, I think <laughs> he knows the moment he sees her. Um, I, I don't know if, if I have a lot of evidence for it or if it's just my, like, intuition about it, but um, we know that uh, young Hal sees Sophie when she goes into the past, and so this is how Hal knows to look for Sophie. And so, like when he first finds her, he was like, "Oh, hello, darling. I've been looking for you everywhere," or something like that. Back when she was young, but um, that interaction and then the way he interacts with her when uh, she's this old lady that's just supposedly his cleaning lady, like he just seems so unbothered that it makes me want to believe that he can either see through the curse or that he just recognizes somehow that it's her. I don't know, but that's just me because he just seems so unbothered. Um, and I don't feel like there's a clear moment where Hal uh, has a realization like, oh, this is Sophie, that that girl that I saw in the past that I rescued at the beginning of the movie. You know, there, there's never like that realization for him, which makes me think that he kind of always knew it was her. But hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting nonetheless. And uh, Sarah's right that like at one part that he does see her as she is while she's sleeping. So whether or not he knew it from the beginning, he does figure it out eventually. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so maybe we could also talk about uh, Sophie and Calcifer's relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they have a very special um, connection because when we go into House childhood, like when House just gave his heart to Calcifer, and Sophie, they say something. So Calcifer is a demon. So I think like he might remember that they already met before. That's mm-hmm. why he just so easy to talk to her and let her into the house. Yeah. But yeah, that's just what I think. But what do you guys think? I, I agree with that. I think also they're all in a very desperate situation where they're facing some sort of curse or suffering from the effects of others being cursed, like Markle, who's not specifically cursed but he has to deal with the curse that his caregiver has um and so I think maybe there's just kind of this level of like you know well let's just see what happened you know can it get worse from here they're all kind of like searching for something so I feel like that's also why they're very open to like new people and these new experiences yeah yeah I feel like uh Calcifer and Sophie have sort of like a sibling like relationship you know where they're just always kind of arguing and like poking fun at each other that's that's kind of the vibe that I got yeah Yeah, that's cool I could see that it's interesting too um that Calcifer really values Sophie's compliments uh, which we see like quite a few times in it um like when she says like oh you 
what is it? You have the brightest spark or some something like yeah. that. Yeah, you know? like you burn so bright. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It's, it's super cute. He turns kind of like pinky. Pinky. Yeah. And then uh, when he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna need something of yours to move the house," and he takes her hair, which then he makes kind of an off-putting comment. He was like, "Imagine what I could have done with your eyes." I mean, he is a demon. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it is true. But yeah, I kind of you just can definitely tell that they have a very close relationship. Um, but yeah, did y'all have any other components of the family that y'all liked? Um, for me, I just wrote down how's um like how the house mean to house. <laughs> it's kind of confusing. Was it's not always the same, but I feel like house um just consider his castle. It just lies somewhere. He going back after fighting for a long time and just save healing his insurer and it's very impressed me at one scene where he went out fighting somewhere and went back in the form of like still a black, a black bird monster and he just like sat on the chair in front of the fireplace and everything around it just like very dark and only the fire just sparkling and that scene it just I don't know it just give me a vibe of like feeling very peaceful and cozy instead of what he just been through earlier and yeah I, I just I like have it there that. I love that one and I have an image we can put it somewhere later in the video if you watch it but I love that image so much but yeah awesome yeah I, I I agree that it's the castle can definitely be seen as his place of refuge but it's also interesting because externally and even Sophie comments on it she says this is supposed to be a castle because, you know, it's very steampunk, it's very disorganized, chaotic, as Sarah said. Um, and so I feel like that might have to do with Hal's internal desire to kind of push everyone away. So he makes not necessarily a castle, but just a very, for lack of better word, it's kind of it's kind of an ugly, hot mess on the outside. Yeah, you know what it kind of looks like to me? Now that I started thinking about it, it kind of looks like, it's kind of like a nest. Because he's like this big, like, bird-like creature monster thing and he's got his it's almost like his castle is just like all this all these different things he's like found and he's just thrown it together kind of like how birds do they just go get their sticks and you know and then his room is like this just like trinket filled like sparkly place yeah. it's it's giving bird in I the need... bathroom yeah <laughs> no yeah it's for real like um house appearance as a bird look like a crowd and they usually like pick up some sparkling things yeah that's, that's why like his bedroom is very fancy, but the the other room is very like messy somehow. Yeah. yeah, it's and even his room, even the even though it's more pretty, I guess, or attractive than the rest of the house, mm -hmm. it's still very cluttered. Like we've kind of already talked about. Yeah. So yeah, it's like his nest. It is. <laughs> I agree, and but it's interesting how it kind of doubles as this symbol that pushes others away. He wants to be kind of feared to a certain extent. I think. Um, because he doesn't want people to get close to him. Um, he's afraid of that. But then at the same time, it is also this place of refuge, like Betty said. So it's kind of an interesting dichotomy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a good symbol. Um, just for, for the theme of family and for Hal's development himself. Yeah. Because, like, he eventually turns it into more of, like, a residential nuclear family, which they're obviously not a traditional yeah. nuclear family, <laughs> but that sort of style home. Yeah. Oh, maybe we can move on now because I feel some connection between family and how age ageism work. Mm -hmm. 
So um, what do you think about like the theme of being young and being old in this movie? Um, yeah, it seems like in this movie there's a lot of um, a lot of focus on appearance and vanity, and that a lot of um, worth is kind of rested on how you look. Um, it's seen in a, a bunch of different characters: the Witch of the Waste, um, Hal, Sophie, like her family. It's kind of like all about um, just looking a certain way, and. Um, the uh, emphasis on like wanting to be young you know I agree I actually wrote down a quote from Sophie's mom which she doesn't she's not too apparent in the film but this one stuck with me when she returns to the hat shop and she just makes some sort of comment she's like don't you guys love this new hat it's all the rage in Kingsbury or yeah, something like it's that it's a lot of vanity yeah you see it's kind of like this um, which it, it's interesting because you do get a Victorian vibe from the film and the Victorians were very like obsessed with appearance and beauty and not not the kind of fashion that we have nowadays, like not fast fashion, but just kind of this idea of reputation with what you're wearing, I think. Yeah, definitely. I remember um, whenever Hal sent Sophie to the palace to act as his mother, um, he, he was like, I spent so much time, um, making you look beautiful. Like, why are you still like wearing this dress, you know? And it kind of just shows where he's at kind of like, like just, uh, surface level. You I know? think it was her hat. He had made the, her, her dress oh, shiny. Okay. And then she was wearing like her little, her little like kind of farmer's looking hat. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that scene too. I feel like I make some the connection but I'm gonna take talk about that early, um, deeper when we reach to uh, analyze how and Sophie but I love that scene too because for me the way people like being very serious about their appearance just show like somehow re- reflect like their fear at least what I feel in house like he trying to be like fancy so that he's not dealing with the fear of being rejected so I think that's why. But the way people act in here also remind me of the fear of people in the novel Brave New World, where oh. people is very like care about how to be young and to be very modern instead of being like old and be a nerd. So, I love yeah. that book. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. I think, um, and also just how for I think how for sure is one of the biggest depictions of vanity in the film especially his appearance. And we have to talk about the scene where um, his hair gets messed up and he throws a tantrum like a five-year-old. But it is kind of interesting that you point out that part of his upkeep with his appearance is like not wanting to be rejected or judged. He kind of wants to maintain a certain like status or appearance to people. But then at the same time, that kind of, I don't know if it contradicts, but it it somehow relates to his other desire, which is to keep people away. You know, how do you want, how do you not want to be rejected, but also keep people away at the same time? It's like he doesn't want to give anyone a chance to reject him, which is why he pushes them away. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So I'm writing down my notes about the pro and con of being young and being old so do you think have anything like to say about is there any like benefits we gain when we are young or benefits we actually have when we're getting older 
Something that I wrote down um, when Sarah, or not Sarah, <laughs> I'm looking at Sarah, um, when Sophie <laughs> first um, is cursed um, and she starts making her journey to the waste, as she's going, I just kind of notice that everyone underestimates her. I think because of her age, also perhaps gender. Um, all the villagers are warning her while she's on her way, like, oh, you have no place in the waste, like, you shouldn't go there. Um, just in general, I think because of Sophie's, like, um, appearance as an elderly woman, people tend to um, underestimate her, even though she actually is shown to be quite capable of doing lots of things, despite her old age. So I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I think, like, the benefits that you're going to have when you're being young is that you be allowed to be, like, take the risk or to be adventurous. Because, as you say, like, when she, Sophie is under the spell, she just, like, being an old lady and everybody just try to help her because she, you know, they just believe, like, she cannot, like, do anything because yeah. she's old. But, yeah, I feel like that benefits just, like, being taken away from you when you're being older. But on the other hand, I also wrote it here, like, when you're getting older, you become, like, wiser. Because Sophie once mentioned, like, the good thing about being old is just, like, nothing can surprise you anymore. You have yeah. very, like, little things to surprise you. When she just, like, first got into the house and sitting in front of the fireplace, if I recall, yeah. she just said that. And then Casper just replied something. I forgot, but yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting because even though Sophie externally looks old, she hasn't actually gained, I don't think, like all the experience of being an elderly woman. So I actually kind of find it funny that she'll make comments like that. She's really just, you know, if I'm going to look old, I need to identify with it, which I kind of think is an interesting thing. And I, I remember that quote. And, and I kind of wonder if it has more to do with just the fact that Sophie's curse um, makes her kind of feel like, oh, well, my life is over. Now I'm an old lady. Um, and so that's why she's saying nothing frightens her anymore. Because I feel like what she means is like she kind of has nothing left to lose. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's why she's able to act more recklessly despite her old age than when she was young. I feel like she feels there's nothing left to lose now that she's been cursed. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like she gets a lot of confidence. Um Whenever she's uh, gets her curse, it's it's she's no longer focusing on um, her flaws, like um, how she thinks she's not as beautiful as others and stuff like that. She's kind of you know able to um, really live without having to uh, fixate on those things about herself. And uh, even whenever she is able to become younger, it's um, something that sticks with her. Yeah, and also I think another scene that comments on the benefits of her curse and living as an elderly person is that scene that we talked about last time where she's sitting and looking out um, at the water and she says something like, you know, when you're old, all you want to do is stare at the scenery um, and appreciate it. And like that kind of serenity that can come with old age because she allows everything to kind of slow down for her. Yeah. I think that's nice. Yeah. No, I agree with that. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, and since we're talking a lot about Sophie, unless anyone has any more comments on the age and appearance, we could move into Sophie's analysis next. Yeah, yeah, we can move on. And, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I had a question for y'all about her, the nature of her curse, because um, I think it has a lot to do with her character. Um, so I, do you guys think that Sophie's external image, you know, as an elderly lady, 
um, in that curse. Uh, do you think it's more of something in her head? Or do you think this is something that others physically see? And like, when do you think it wears off? Because that's kind of something that's very unclear in the film. Hmm. I think I think it's something that people, others definitely see because even her mom is like, oh my gosh, you look so old when she finally sees her again. Like, I think it's definitely like appearance wise. Yes, yeah, she she looks old. But um, I, I think like her shifting from being older to younger, um, I feel like it has to do with um, maybe like her self-confidence or it's either her self-confidence or she's or the more she falls in love with Hal. I mean, I'm not I'm not totally sure either way, but it just always seems like whenever she turns younger, she's just like she's um, fixated on something that's like happy or like something great has just happened. Do you know what I mean? Or she's, you know, she's not, um, she's not being like negative towards herself. I feel, I feel like that had like correlates to her seeming younger. Yeah, no, I agree with Sarah because I, I, I think I once mentioned in part one that the curse for me, it's just like a reflection of that character's fear. So Sophie, she's like a confidence. And this word just care much, very much about the appearance and her appearance is what give her like insecurity about herself. So that's why the curse just put it out there so that she can, she has to deal with it. So I think like that's why it's appeared that way. But yeah, for me, just like a reflection of your fear. It just appear out. I 100% I agree with both y'all. I, I do think it's tied to like her self efficacy in her own like opinion on herself because at the beginning of the film we know that she starts out very shy timid and insecure and it's like she has dreams for herself but she never really does much to you know accomplish them but then when she is old and she's no longer caring about her parents she's allowed to or she allows herself to be more stubborn passionate sarcastic loyal like these character traits that really are her true self and so I I think the curse fluctuates throughout the movie as she begins to like accept her true self and I I do think uh Sarah's comment about uh her falling in love with Hal I do think that's related because I think Hal helps Sophie to build her confidence so I do think those are related yeah yeah no I, I agree with that too because they support each other very well into how to heal the insurer that they already have or so let's fix something. Yeah, but it just connect very well. But we can talk more about that later. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think also um, some I have some moments I wrote down from the beginning of the film so that we can kind of compare and contrast to Sophie later. Um, so we could talk about that. Um, I said, so we know at the beginning that like the other young women were going to go out into town and she declines and chooses to bury herself in her work instead. And then I don't know if y'all remember the scene where she kind of models the hat and then yeah. she gets embarrassed mm -hmm. and covers herself. Um, and then another part where they're talking about how and they're like, oh, you need to be careful, Sophie. And she says, how only does that to beautiful girls, um, which is very sad. And I kind of saw this comparison here, which since we've all seen Kiki, we can talk about this, um, where it's kind of like Sophie and Kiki viewing themselves as outsiders to society, kind of like the society versus the individual. Yeah, because I, I feel like since she's more timid, and I feel like this is like this in actual society as well, um, if you're 
not as like extroverted or outgoing, you kind of are a little bit more isolated from others in society because, you know, timidness is always not always viewed in a positive, positive light. You might seem kind of like, oh, like you're maybe arrogant or something, or they just think, oh, this person is like really, you know, just not open to anyone. So it is kind of like a little bit of an isolating thing. Um, but with, uh, with, uh, Sophie and like her confidence, uh, what you mentioned about her um, uh, talking to Letty and saying, oh, I'm fine. I, I, he won't eat my heart because I'm not beautiful. But it's, it's really interesting how it juxtaposes at the very end of the movie whenever um, Hal talks about her hair and he's like, oh, oh, my gosh, it's like starlight. It's beautiful. And she and she says, yes, I think so, too. I think it's beautiful. It's just like full circle. She's yeah. healing. She's She's um, able to get over her insecurities uh, through her love with Hal. And I think it's a really nice, like, just showing how far she's grown from the beginning to the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like you take a smaller and smaller step to actually, like, completely accept yourself. And I can see, like, she's very insecure about her appearance. But at some point, she only tried to look at everything in a positive side. Like, I, I don't have any evidence here. I don't know why, but... You think she becomes more positive throughout the film? Yeah, because yeah. whenever... Hmm. Okay. So let's take uh, the scene where um, House is, like, being so mad because of his color of the hair change. Oh, yeah. So um, Sophie trying to say, like, this color is not bad at all, or blah, 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 just to calm him down but he also she also like tried to look at everything in the positive side that it's not very a big deal you yeah. still look good anyways something like that yeah, and goes, it's yeah she's like oh how it's changing to an even better color yeah. yeah so i feel like she's doesn't confident about herself but at some point it's not like completely very like pessimistic there's some still some spark like spark light I don't know. Yeah. Some highlight. Yeah. Somewhere. In that scene, it's um kind of towards the beginning of the scene. Uh she's like she's like, Oh, it's fine, right? Your your hair looks fine and he's like still freaking out about his hair. And she says, You think you have it bad? I've never once been beautiful my whole life and then she runs away and she cries. Um and I think it's is it Cal somebody talks to her. Um, and makes her feel better. I, it might have been Kelsifer. I don't know. But they, she's able to go back in and um, talk to Hal and be more positive and be like, like, this is fine. Like, you, it's like a better color. Your hair looks nice type of thing. And I feel like just, I can't remember who yeah. helped her, but whoever uh, it was just helping her through was it. Was that Marco? I, I think Marco ends up opening the door and he's like, Sophie, you need to come back in. Yeah. Oh, it might be that. Yeah. But oh, I remember yeah. it was something like that. And she comforts Marco. She's like, oh, he's just throwing a tantrum. He's yeah. fine. <laughs> and then the, oh my God, it's the scene where she picks him up and is taking him up the stairs and his towel falls off. <laughs> and Sophie is so awkward just looking up at the ceiling. Yeah, but, but I kind of like that scene. Not because of that, but uh, <laughs> but like it still reflects like Sophie is still a girl, you know. She, her appearance it changed, but she's still very awkward because it's her, yeah. maybe her first time being around boy like that. But yeah, it still uh, showed that. 
Also, throughout that scene, I might be wrong, but, like, while he's having this tantrum and he's calling the spirits of darkness, as I think Calcifer says, um, she starts, so she cries and she has that moment, but she starts looking more confident and, you know, more determined, and so her appearance starts to look younger, and we see that all throughout the film, but it's definitely in this scene, I think. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think it was Turniphead. I, okay, was. I was just looking. I was just looking <laughs> yeah, at my notes. Yeah. Sorry, bringing it back. Yes, it was turnip head. He okay. gave her an umbrella, oh. so then she feels better, and she's able to go back in and um, actually comfort Hal, yeah. and be less, be able to get over her insecurities. Thank to you help for him. bringing that up because that was something I wanted to mention to you guys. If you remember from my neighbor Totoro, like there's a direct scene comparison I think with uh, being handed an umbrella in the rain, and that they both kind of symbolize you know, compassion and being able to console someone through such a, even, even in like such a small way by like giving someone an umbrella. Yeah. No, I still remember that scene when they waiting at the bus stop. Yeah. So yeah, that's very related. Yeah. Famous. Very famous. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And then something else I had written down is that we, you, you talked about Letty. I wrote down a clip quote that she tells Sophie and I feel like this helps kind of capture Sophie's development development in general is she says it's your life Sophie do something for yourself for once and I feel like by the time we get to the end like you do see that Sophie is doing something she wants uh she is choosing to live with Hal it's like kind of back to that chosen family theme that is her choosing something for herself I would say um yeah I feel like she gains the ability to say no <laughs> especially when Hal is having that tantrum she's like you know what uh old Sophie who was a bit more of a people pleaser may have just kind of let that slide but she's like no Hal you're being ridiculous <laughs> it's just hair yeah for you for that sense she actually very mad because yeah Hal's tantrum is just getting bigger and bigger and when she just actually like broke out that she said like I've never once been beautiful yeah I feel like she actually met and have like enough reason to leave, but then she still choose to return and let get back to yeah. the very beginning of the scene when she choose to wear that former hat. That's still <laughs> her choice, but she's yeah. just not like confident in what she loves. So yeah. yeah, she becomes very unapologetic, but still maintains her kindness, which I think is such an important balance to have. Because I think whenever you're trying to learn to build your confidence, there's a very fine line between being confident and setting boundaries, but then also falling into this pattern of not being as compassionate or willing to, like, you know, go the extra mile for someone. And I think she maintains that balance really well in the film. Um, Like, with Turnip, with Turnip Head, like, when she first meets him, she's kind of, she's kind of a little sneaky little grandma you know trying to trick him so he'll go away and she's kind of abrasive she speaks her mind she says i've always hated turnips <laughs> when he's literally a turnip um but then later i think uh she makes a comment where she says mark markle goes um about turnip head that's a demon you know and she says um you're right maybe he's a demon but he led me here so maybe he's the good kind yes i had that written down too <sighs> she's she always quote. she always says she says things like that about um people are like oh this they said her sister says this about how let me give me one sec i'll see it um uh she was like uh he must have been a wizard then trying to steal your heart and she was like but he was so kind to me so she doesn't see others in like what uh society sees them like she lets them 
She lets herself have her own opinion of them and kind of let their actions um, define them for for her, you know? Yeah, and when she defends Hal to Madame Solomon, I think that's another great example of her just kind of sticking up for her own beliefs, which are often motivated on feeling, which I think is so important because that's such so crucial to Sophie's characters, her being able to accept not only herself, but her like inner self, her emotions, her feelings, and all of that. It's really connected. Yeah. No, I agree with you all. It's very interesting for me when I'm thinking back again what you brought up yesterday, which which means part one. So we're talking about why um, the servant of Madame Suleiman is still the same. So it also might be reflect like how the society just think at the same way. And Sophie stand out because she still have her own opinion and build up different way. And she have enough courage to like express it. So I, yeah, I just think it's interesting when I think back about what we discussed before. Yeah, I agree. I, I also think that we should talk about because we're really focusing on Sophie's development and building up her confidence. But there's also many scenes in which we show that she can dis- be discouraged and that she is on this path, but she's not quite there yet to the end of the uh, movie. Um, and so I had some scenes that I wrote down that I thought were interesting. Um, so we see this a few times where someone will say something that kind of shocks her and she like snaps back into her old lady form after appearing very young. And so the main scene I think of is when she's speaking with uh, Madame Solomon. Uh, so I thought that was a good time to bring that up. Uh, she, I think Madame Solomon says something like, now I understand. You're in love with Hal. And I think Madame Solomon, I'm pretty convinced, can see through the curse. So I think she recognizes, oh, this woman's trying to fool me. She's clearly not Hal's mother. You know, I, I think Madame Solomon can see that. Uh, but yeah, Sophie kind of goes, oh, and then she becomes an old lady again. So what, what do y'all take away from that? Yeah. Um. Sorry. I'm like reading my notes on it. Like they're like, they're all shorthand. I'm like trying to translate what they said. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I'm glad you brought that up because I never like I noticed that scene, but I never like actually think about that. So maybe it's can related to my experience because for real, I. I'm very uh, introvert, so some if somebody like actually snap back what I believe, I somehow just feeling like insecure about that, and I just mm-hmm. wonder for myself like, is that actually true or is that wrong? Yeah. So uh, yeah. do you think it has to do with Sophie not yet understanding her feelings, like she doesn't want to believe it, or maybe it has to do with that and the fact that Sophie doesn't think she's beautiful enough to be loved by Hal? I think she doesn't believe in herself but she still want to like being confident enough to stand by how because there's a lot of scene I noticed that a lot of people just give like compliments for her appearance but she is the one who denied it like at the beginning when she walked into the is that the valley or the corner and there's two guys two weirdo just like cats calling her oh, the soldiers yeah. yeah so they they just say something like you look very cute and also her sister she also very mad because like sophie's never believed in herself even though you can see like her family is very beautiful at some point but i feel like she's just the one who deny on the compliments that order give her oh and also on the scene when how shows sophie about um, the countryside where it's the beautiful in the flower. cottage. Yeah. yeah. 
he said like your beautiful Sophie, but Sophie just like then turned into turned back into the old lady. Yeah, yeah. So, it has a. I feel like it has a lot to do with how she is sees herself, like yeah. how uh, if she seems older or younger, you know. I, it feels like she becomes younger whenever she stops, like, um, overthinking things and um, being hyper-aware of herself and her insecurities, and she's, like, able to kind of grow, and then she kind of regresses back into it when she realizes, oh, like, I am this, or I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not beautiful, or something like that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I actually wrote down that same quote, Betty, because I think that one in the Madame Solomon scene are like the biggest ones. And so to see see that, the character development from those two scenes where it's almost like she can't believe that Hal would love her. She doesn't want to believe it because she doesn't view herself that way, at least not yet. So to compare those scenes to when um, the Witch of the Waste, after she's been stripped of her powers, says something like, you're in love. And Sophie just says, she finally admits it. She goes, yeah, I am. You know? Yeah, and it's around that time where she stops reverting back to being old. It's around the time whenever um, the hat shot or the hat shop is being um, bombed, and she's. It, you can really tell, like, in this moment, whenever Hal's in danger, um, she's her feelings of love for Hal kind of help her kind of transcend this insecurity about herself, and she never goes back to being old again. She's she's like driven by her love for Hal. Yeah, I. I Wait, yeah, that is true. I I actually, I didn't notice that now that I think about it. You are right. She doesn't revert back after that scene. Um, That's also soon after she cuts her hair, which I know for sure when she cuts her hair, you do not see her as an old lady with hair, with short hair. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, um, she's gotten over. She's grown. She's, she's able to, she's able to heal. And her love for Hal and her caring for all of the other uh, people in her little family, um, she's, yeah, they help her, and she's no longer, she no longer is, like, self-deprecating of herself. She's not, like, she's, she's been able to get over what's been holding her back. Yeah. Yeah, no. Oh, did you say something? No, uh, I mean, I just had, like, one other scene that I was thinking of returning to. Okay, and I'm just giving a comment on that. Yeah, you go first. (laughs) Yeah, because I feel like the way, uh, her hair changed but still keep the same color is something, like, mark that she actually admit who she is, but she's not denied the past or what she has been through. So I just, yeah, I just found it very interesting and just want to brought it up. Yeah, no, that she maintains the same hair color. I think also because Sophie is a bit of an old soul. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, that's kind of something that she allows to limit herself by being very introverted and timid. Um, yeah. But by the end of it, she's very, like, confident in herself. So I think, I agree. I think that's why she keeps Yeah, I feel like hair. she does, she does have, like, um, like, kind of grandma, grandma energy. <laughs> um, at the beginning, whenever um, her coworkers ask her to go, if, if she wants to go out with them, and she's like, oh, no, like, I'll finish up my work. That's that's so me that's so granny that's like I want to go to sleep early like I don't have the energy for it but as the movie kind of uh goes along she becomes a lot more adventurous and like energetic and lively as she's um around people that are like kind of lifting her up you know absolutely and she's able to maintain still that kind of old soul part of her that you know maybe wants to be a little prim and proper and follow the rules to a certain extent um but she doesn't let that stop her from also being very ambitious, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a I had a scene that um I wanted to discuss. Uh so <laughs> I I did not write this in 
uh, PG words, but uh, basically when <laughs> she was going up the stairs <laughs> with the Witch of the Waste, I kind of thought that was an interesting uh, part of her character development is to see not only her confidence, but also her ability to show compassion for the woman who cursed her. So I kind of wanted to see what y'all thought about that scene. No. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Sorry if I keep putting y'all on the spot. No, I'm just. I was trying to. I'm trying to remember scenes. Okay. Honestly, um, I think it was whenever she first met Markle, where he was like, "Do you work for the Witch of the Waste?" Because she had the little talisman in her oh, pocket, yeah. and she was like, um, "I think she had an outburst," and she was like, "If I can get my hands on her, like you know, this is she's the reason why all this has happened to me." But yeah, and then she meets her on the palace steps and, you know, she has that compassion for her. She's like, she's like, you can do it. You can get up the steps. You know, it's it's she's she's able to forgive. Yeah. yeah. I, in her tenacity in going up those steps while having symptoms of old age, you know, like being her back is hurting and she's trying to carry this heavy looking dog as well which is so mean which is so it's so funny that he that this because she thinks the dog is hell and then we find out later that it is madame sullivan's escort that she has sent to her but this (laughs) dog is like she's had to like lug it up the stairs and everything is like (sighs) like whenever she you know what i mean it's breathing hard as if it did any work no literally (laughs) it it gets up and it's like (sighs) you know yeah it's so cute um i like yeah sorry you like the dog. I love the little dog. <laughs> he's, Heen. he's a cute character. Yeah, it's Heen. kind of funny how he's named Heen, and he's like he kind of makes a sound that sounds a little bit like Heen, like whenever he's he's like, like wheezing, like wheezing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so cute. Sorry, I didn't actually make make that connection. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's cool because uh, you brought up like Sophie's very, she she expressed her anger, but she not like hold the anger t- with her. She's be- yeah. able to forgive uh, somebody like mistake maybe and also about the dog i remember when they get into the plan and the dog just follow them she's very mad looking at the dog and say like you're just a little spy <laughs> but, <laughs> but i think it's very cute like she she doesn't like the dog at that moment for what he just did maybe but he she just like not hold the anger or yeah. the revenge yeah she's like yeah whenever she sees them and oh how how's like what are those two doing here and she's like well they're here so might as well take them along you know she's not yeah. you know they're not cruel they're not gonna just throw them off a plane but you know what i mean it's kind of it's kind of they're they're able to forgive and they're able to coexist with people who are kind of a little bit their adversaries and this is an absolute continuity for sophie because of the witch of the waste will go on to double cross them multiple times after this scene but she keeps sophie keeps forgiving her um and even takes pity on her when she loses her magic you know she is expresses that that's very cruel of madame solomon uh and she, she just shows a genuine care for um, the Witch of the Waste after she uh, loses her magic. Like, telling Markle to take care of her. They tuck her in. Yeah. Get her close to the fire. And then she makes her little weird comments. What? When did I spire? Yes. <laughs> Whatever she says. It's so sweet. I think, yeah. I think, I do notice how she, she continuously looks at the fire. Like, Calcifer says, oh, she's staring at me. Like, why is she staring at me? Maybe I think subconsciously that she can kind of maybe she has like a pull towards Calcifer because she she really wants Howl's heart. Yeah. Maybe she subconsciously 
is able to tell yeah. like her she's like this is what I've been looking for all this time type of thing because she's pretty senile up until she gets the cigar so it's like hidden in her subconscious yeah it's she's just weirdly drawn yeah. to it and it's because it's literally what she's been searching for it is kind of weird that like when she gets the magic taken away but she when I say senile like I don't think I'm wrong she quite literally becomes sort of senile it makes me wonder is it isn't an act because she's not always she's not always senile because she will make like comments even before she smokes a cigar that Mm -hmm. they're like sound they're sane you know I don't know is is it kind of is it a mix maybe I don't know or maybe just because of old age because she seemed very goofy when she becomes like the very old uh, version of her and yeah as you as we just going on I just remember the scene where as the very last of the movie where she hold the heart and Sophie trying to get it and she just cry like a baby and like she's yeah. so mean when she do that to me but yeah I just she's very desperate old woman I will say that and I think with old age you don't just automatically lose all of your sense I do think it's kind of like a fluctuating thing um depending on like multiple factors so maybe that's why in some scenes she seems a little more of her wits than others because there's also that whole age regression thing as you get older you can become a little more childlike in behavior um so I think we see that and then also I just have a little quote I wrote down from her because I thought it was funny. She's a very, um, even though she's an old woman and she's become a little more docile, she definitely still has her kind of nasty attitude in her, as Sarah kind of mentioned her attitude. Um, she's like, Markle read something in the newspaper about the war and she goes, only idiots believe what they read in the paper. <laughs> yeah, she really, because at the beginning of the movie, she meets uh, uh, Sophie in her hat shop and she... She tears her down. She's like, you're a tacky little hat shop, and you're the tackiest thing in the hat shop. Oh and then she turns her to an old woman. Like, it's it's funny because she's, yeah, she's kept some of that, like, little, like, spunk with her, even whenever yeah. she's kind of stripped of her powers and stuff like that. She's a, she's a very funny character. <laughs> I, I think in that scene you mentioned, we see a lot of projection because I think she views herself that way, yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah, and definitely. So she's putting that onto Sophie. And we know that she's been desperate to be invited to the kingdom because she says so. She wanted to be invited to the palace because she thinks she's been wronged by them banishing her to the waste. Mm -hmm. So I think she has a lot of her own. Everybody in this movie is a little insecure, I think, um, about where they are in life. And she is included, but she reacts very negatively because of it. Everyone has different coping mechanisms, I would say, in this movie. So Sophie's is kind of to shrink into herself. Um, Howls is to want to push everyone away. And literally just flight. Yeah, he is, he literally is flight. Comes like, up with a leaves. bunch of aliases, and he says something like, I have as many aliases as I can to keep my freedom. And then the Witch of the Waste, I think hers manifests in just being very nasty to others and Defensive. projecting her yeah. insecurities onto others. Definitely, definitely. She's yeah. a very interesting character. Yeah. yeah. Now, I guess for Calcifer, we could just say humor. <laughs> Yeah. He, he's coping with humor. He's Sarcasm, like, maybe? He's the comic relief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and something to note that, um, I don't know if you know Betty, I may have mentioned this to you, but since me and Sarah listened to it in English, um, the voice actor for Calcifer and the English dub is Mike Wazowski from Monsters Inc. Oh my god. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Do you, have you seen Monsters Inc.? Yeah. Okay, you know what Mike Wazowski sounds like? Yeah. That's Calcifer's voice. Funny. I can't remember what the... Um, 
what the sub sounds like though like just like the actual Japanese voice actors I can't remember what what does he sound like in that is it kind of like more is it is it funny or is it kind of just like normal for me it's very it's not very funny because it's not actually a voice that normal people communicate together in daily life just like some kind of weird cartoon character voice okay so he sounds so, goofy yeah. too yeah yeah okay I see yeah <laughs> yeah, he's quite, he has quite a funny voice. He's like, how? She fed me something weird. <laughs> that one scene. I feel sick. <laughs> or when he's like, this, or what did he say? Mad woman with a shovel. <laughs> when she was trying to take him out of the hearth. Yeah. He's very interesting and humorous character. So, yeah. Oh, and I also feel like, he somehow reflects like the other side of house as he is actually a house herd. So maybe mm-hmm. th- at some point, like we see like how he's very calm and very like, I don't know what's word to use, but he's very calm. Nonchalant. It, yeah. But yeah. on the other hand, Casper, who's his herd, is so very like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's very upbeat and yeah, very energetic. It's fun. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I could see that comparison. I also want to say, since we were kind of talking about how everyone has to deal with different, like, coping mechanisms and response to their insecurities and everything, that this reminds me of um, Hal's quote when he says, after he says, oh, we have another addition to the family. When Turnip shows up, he seems like, ah, you've got a nasty curse on you. Seems like everyone in this family has problems. Yeah. And I think that's about where we really see this family trope really, like, kind of expand from there. Because that's when they go through the process of moving, which is such a, like, typical family process is to move homes. And so I think that's quite funny. Um, And Hal's wanting to make Sophie uh, happy with all of that. It's just very wholesome. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. This is this... Another thing about Sophie, whenever he makes her like a specific room that's uh, the same as her uh, kind of like hat hat room that she had in her um, hat shop, uh, she's like, oh, my gosh, you did this for me. And she becomes younger. And then um, he was like, of course. And she was like um, and she ended up turning older and saying, well, this is this is perfect for um, an old maid or something like that. And it's like, you know, she still has a bit of that insecurity. But um yeah, Hal's kindness to her kind of brings out more of a self-assurance, you know? Absolutely. And I think um, they really help Sophie not only become confident in herself, but able to set boundaries. Because something that we didn't talk about when we were discussing family earlier is when Sophie's mother re-enters her life. Um, and kind of the problems with that, uh, she essentially betrays her daughter. Um, and it's weird because her first, like, comment to Sophie is what Sarah had said, like, oh, you look so old. And then she yeah. says, and then she makes it about her right after that. She's like, everyone's saying it's my fault that you left. You'll forgive me, Sophie. Yeah, and then she's like, I'm getting married. Now you can <laughs> now you can finally move out of this place. Like, she says yeah. something kind of like that, like, de- like, kind of insulting the way that Sophie is yeah. and like how she's living and she's like no I'd rather stay so you know that's where she sets a boundary which is like to see that progression for Sophie it just it makes us happy to see her kind of like stand her ground against um I would say her mother's abusive or at least neglectful like narcissistic really she's yeah. like yeah. not she is only thinking of herself she doesn't really care about Sophie's well-being and that is shown by the way she literally betrays her like yeah she plants a bug in the house, and then the Witch of the Waste starts poisoning Calcifer with a cigar. She's like, you can't have this bug in here. 
No, she's been to TikToks for sure. Also, um, have you seen uh, Spirited Away, Sarah? No. Okay, so I'm sorry, but this will be a question for Betty. Did you see the um, the comparison or like reoccurrence of like the bug? It it was in Spirited Away. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Slight like curse that um, who's who did that? Zubaba. Zubaba. Zubaba's sister. Yeah, Zubaba's no? yeah. sister did too. How? Because he stole. Um, you mean you mean ha- Haku? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zubaba's sister. Curse Haku for stealing something from her. So oh, yeah, he just yeah. swallowed that thing like Casper just swallowed a curse that the Witch of the Ways bring to. And they both get sick yeah. from it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, an Easter egg, which came out before. Is it? Was it? Uh, yeah, I did. It came out before. Uh, House. I think two thousand or two thousand one, and then House was two thousand four. Oh, okay. I see. Cool. Yeah. No, so it it is really cool because Miyazaki does like to integrate little details and like we talked about in my neighbor totoro how um totoro uh or the multiple what is plural totoro totoros <laughs> um how they may or may not be descendants of these little spirit these uh forest spirits that we saw in princess mononoke so there's a lot of like continuity um i don't know it kind of it's like uh i hate comparing it to disney or pixar but it's kind of like how Pixar does the same thing with the Easter eggs, and it makes you kind of yeah. wonder, is this all supposed to be within the same universe? It's kind of cool to think that it is, you know? I, I would like to think yes. Like, how being a wizard, well, Kiki's a witch, you know? Why does that have to be yeah, totally different? Yeah, and the different? towns, kind of, their towns are giving, like, have a European vibe as well. Like, there is yeah. some, there is kind of a type of continuity between, like, the nature and kind of what the towns and cities look like. Though I, I, I haven't seen every Ghibli movie, but, you know, from the ones I have seen, it kind of does have a similar look. Well, maybe you should start to do more with us. And... Yeah, I don't, <laughs> you I don't, I, you know, I don't have the streaming service for it, you know what I mean? But Look, we'll make it happen. We'll do a watch party. <laughs> I got everything's on HBO Max right now, if you're listening. Get HBO Max yeah. or um, what, what, what is the one that you suggest? Okay, I used a free website it's like youtube if anybody want to use the free service but i recommend use hbo but uh, my is called billy billy yes and um if you can't spell like me it's b-i-l-l-i and then repeat it again because i spelled it billy like with a y because i don't know (laughs) and i couldn't find it i have you know i i ran it on amazon they yeah you run it for like a couple bucks yeah. So you're gonna be bougie like Sarah. Yeah. That's not bougie. <laughs> like two dollars. I mean, two dollars. Yeah, it's not too bad. You watch it, you get it for like two days afterwards. You can still watch it. It's nice. All right, all yeah. right. And I think you can rent some of the movie on YouTube because I I saw the Wind Rise on YouTube. Yeah, there's you a lot rent. of there's a lot of different places you can yeah. get it. You can buy it at Walmart. I've seen the physical disc. <laughs> but yeah. Um, returning back to the discussion a little bit, um, I had a kind of juxtaposition between uh, Sophie's mother and Markle, um, because I think we can kind of see that Sophie's mother, like Sarah said, doesn't really care about what Sophie's doing or if Sophie is going to leave or stay. When Sophie's like, no, I want to stay here. She's just like, oh, OK. Oh, I have to go. I, I have a cab. You know, she doesn't really care. Um, but when uh, Sophie leaves Markle at one point and he comes back, um, 
he or he he was so sad or he, no he was so happy to see her but sad that she had left i think he went before she left or he thought she was gonna leave i'm sorry i'm all over the place he thought sophie was gonna leave and he goes i love you you have to stay and it's so sad and then she's like of course i'm gonna stay or something like that and he goes yeah because we're a family now yeah that's the scene is so cute for me and it's somehow sad like you said because like marco he actually desired to have a family like she n- not she he's always like being alone all the time because house always out so yeah that's that scene is very sweet when sophie decide to stay yeah and i feel like before sophie arrives like we kind of talked about this last time how marco feels the need to kind of act like an adult um when he really shouldn't have to uh considering that he's a little kid we don't know exactly how old he is um and i i remember one time uh he went to sophie this was i think after they moved and sophie's like trying to go to sleep in his her room maybe i don't know but he knocks and he's like good night sophie (laughs) and then um he's about to leave and then he goes oh and Sophie, don't worry about Master Hal. Sometimes he just likes to go away for days at an end. And it's just the fact that Markle felt the need to comfort Sophie as the child. Like, you really see that he's kind of the product of growing up with emotionally immature parents, which could be Hal or whoever his parents were before this. Um, it, it's sad, but we do see that, like, when Sophie arrives, that it does get better. And he's able to kind of, like, act like a child for once. It's really sweet. Oh, yeah. He's a sweet character. Yeah. And, like, remember um, the scene whenever, uh, after, like, it's at the very end. After everything had happened, the water got poured on the heart, and Sophie first gets back. um, And little Markle's just, like, crying. It's so sad. Oh. I love Markle. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, We can move on to another character if you just want to. We can analyze the main character of the movie, House, maybe. Because uh, for me, House is very complicated character. Like, this guy, he carries a lot of things. And... Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, House, he's carry a lot of things. And everything he do or everything happen in the house that, she, that he made, it just, like, reflect the, like, the interest that he already put up with so I don't know but first I mentioned like he carries a lot of sorrow and concern about what he brought from his childhood because he's like Madame Suleiman's student and maybe he she just like demanding or something but he doesn't have an enough freedom and that's led him to make a compromise with a demon to yeah. have freedom and but then Calcifer who carries the hurt of house he's also desired to be free from house so both of them just need freedom but then i feel like they do not know what they actually need to be free it's interesting because i think freedom for Hal has a lot to do with his fear which you've talked about fear a lot and i see it here i think how although we don't entirely know everything that happened in his childhood that i agree there is a sense that there is some sort of trauma or just problems that he had in his youth and like even Sophie points out when he's like oh I used to stay at this little cottage uh to study my uncle left it for me and she's like you were alone you know Mm -hmm. um so I think also there's a few things going on there I think he's lonely I think he does fear I think he's fears not 
being in control enough to have his freedom. I feel like it kind of has to do with that. And so when he basically makes the deal at Calcifer, I feel like he's trying to uh, establish a lot of things that he's yearning for, like a connection, friendship, because I think he's very lonely. But I also I agree. I think it's like a sort of power. He wants power so he can establish his freedom. Um, also, something I thought was interesting and kind of wondered what if y'all had any thoughts on this is why did Calcifer fall, you know, into House hands? A falling star. Like, I don't know. No idea. Honestly, it's, it's very vague and ambiguous in the movie. I wonder, I, there might, maybe in the book it's a little bit more mm-hmm. um, obvious, but definitely not in the movie. Yeah, and the scene is very random because there's a lot of other stars just falling into the ground, not just Calcifer, and just how catch that. Yeah. star and that's <laughs> Calcifer so I have no idea how to deal with it but yeah I had a little theory um I think it was based on some of my research um, but it's been a while since I was doing that I think that Calcifer because when I think of a falling star I think he was dying I think it was a dying star and so I feel like this was kind of like a last hope for both of them that how wanted his freedom and but he also didn't want to be alone anymore and I, I think that's why Calcifer fell. I think he fell because he was dying. And so I think that's also why he needed Hal's heart to live and why their uh, life lifelines, I don't know if that's the right term, became connected was oh. because I thought Calcifer needed Hal to live. That what? was my interpretation. Yeah. That makes sense. That, uh, that might explain it, actually. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of it like that. Because, yeah. you know, Calcifer already had freedom. Why would he choose to fall into the young boy's hand? I think it was out of desperation. I think mm. he needed Hal to live as much as Hal needed Calcifer at that time. And I don't think it was a mistake them meeting, like Madame Solomon says, but I do think they outgrew each other. And that's where Sophie comes into play. Sophie needs to find a way to separate them and allow them to both live. And then I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but... uh we did kind of talk about how in the book Sophie does have powers and I do think we see an instance uh, in the movie when uh, Sophie takes the heart she kind of makes a wish and she's like um, let how li- let how and Calcifer live um, and I think Betty you had mentioned that her powers in the book were related to giving things life yeah I think that's how oh. if in Calcifer's like I think it would be okay if you do it Sophie I think that's about her abilities. I think she could disconnect the two because I think she gave Calcifer, like, his own new life. He no longer needed Hal's heart. Wow. I wonder yeah. if it's like that in the book. Yeah, we need I to read the to. book. <laughs> <laughs> like, because that'll be interesting if that is actually how it is because that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for you, it's very interesting when you brought that up because I, I didn't think about that. But for me, I've seen Calcifer just like Hal's inner child. But now it's make more sense because for the inner child, you cannot like just need somebody's heart to be alive like that. I don't know. It just not makes sense for me that much. But when you brought up your theory, it's make more sense for me, actually. I mean, it could be a bit of both. It could be kind of like the plot dynamic, like um, Calcifer needs Hal's heart to live and Hal needs Calcifer for more power and freedom. But it could also be Calcifer as a symbol for Hal's inner child. But I'd, I'd love to hear your theory about that. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like they have a very special connection, and that's why House uh, Casper is like House in a trial. Because remember, go back to the scene where House very exhausted, going back home after the fight, and just sitting there talking with Casper in the dark. 
So he talked about like how hard the battle was,、mm-hmm. and just saying about the enemy, like oh, they will forget that they used to be human. They、mm-hmm. forgot that they ever knew how to cry, something like that. And that scene is very special for me because it's like he's talking to himself. He's trying to figure out the problem、yeah. himself because Calcifer is actually his heart. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's very interesting when. They like actually communicate that way, so that's why I think Casper is in a trial of house, like he trying to self heal. So yeah, that's why I brought up that、yeah. theory. But, I、mm-hmm. I could one hundred percent see that also because Calcifer is entirely dependent on how the、mm-hmm. same way that our inner childs are dependent on us healing from our past and really like treating that inner child with the respect and、uh, love that they deserve. Yeah. So no, I I agree.、Um, it is interesting because、um, Hal is trying to do that to a certain extent, but he's also still very much caught up in his fear,、um, his fear of being contained and not having his freedom, and and so he says things like, "I have a few quotes, and all of this magic is just to keep everyone away,"、uh, and his aliases, as I mentioned, he has as many as he needs to keep his freedom, and then he constantly references himself to being a coward. Um, and I feel like it's not just in the physical sense. Like he doesn't want to show up and contribute to the war against Madame Solomon. Maybe it's also in the sense of him not wanting to confront his、uh, childhood trauma. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does reference a couple times how he is a coward and that he、um, he can't stand his cowardice and that he wants to、um, become more、uh, confident and able to actually. Face things、um, up front, and、uh, he he's finally able to do it. Whenever Sophie goes、uh, to the palace to talk to、um, Madame Solomon, and he shows up and he's like, "I was only able to do this because of you. Like you have given me courage." And I feel like that's that's kind of a moment where he's finally kind of getting over that sort of cowardice some, and he's、mm-hmm. able to fight for something that he cares about, and、yeah. he's able to finally face things head on,、um, yeah. and not run from his problems. Same with、um, same with whenever he they were with uh, uh, the Witch of the Waste,、mm-hmm. and she was like, "I want to talk to you," and he ends up. He ends up saying yes later because this was around the time whenever、um, the he was about to go and actually fight in the war, and she makes a comment and let me find it really quick,、um, uh, and she says, "How unlike you, Hal, not running away again." Yeah. And he says, "Now I have something I want to protect, and that it's Sophie." So yeah, it's you know he's he's given courage and his love、uh, for Sophie, and he's able to actually. Uh, fight his problems and confront things that are un- uncomfortable for him. In, in that scene you mention,、um, whenever he shows up to Solomon because Sophie gives him the courage. Yeah, he he says, "Knowing you'd be there gave me the courage to show up." And then I also really like when he said, "You saved me, Sophie. I was in big trouble back there." Yeah, it was、oh, so, it's so smooth, but also like the analysis as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you all. Like, I make a lot of notes why. House. He actually have a problem, but instead of facing it, he just chose to run away.、Yeah. Like the way he used different identities, he used a lot of different names in different places. And the door, just like some of the, I feel like it's like different personality that he made to cope with 
the problems that he have, but he never like actually like faced it, and not until Sophie appear and support them mm-hmm. him to move on. Like what you just say? Yeah. And I wonder if him not having his heart has a lot to do with this. Um, I feel like he's emotionally stunted, and I wonder if that's related yeah. to him mm-hmm. not having his heart because even at the end. Um, I think Calcifer says uh, it's still the heart of a child. Yes, I was yeah. just looking at yeah. that. Yeah, he that's he's he's not like emotionally developed. He wasn't able yeah. to emotionally mature how um, others were able to because he kind of gave up his heart at such an early age, you know. So yeah, and so he's able to like regain not only the heart but also just like develop through the movie yeah. because of Sophie. And I think that uh, just in general, the way they help each other is such a pure like image of love I think that you're able to help each other through uh you're able to help each other with your trauma yeah you know yeah and whenever he gets his heart back at the very end he's like wow there's like a weight on my chest and (laughs) I think it's I think it's Sophie that says a heart's a heavy burden and yeah so he's finally able to um confront those uh feelings I think that's one of my favorite quotes uh from Sophie is a heart's a heavy burden Mm -hmm. Uh, because it is, and Sophie has been living with her heart the whole time, and for Sophie, I think the way she's kind of dealt with that and it is allowing it to enlarge and be very compassionate and forgive people, but how he's never really had to do that too much because he's quite literally separated his heart from his body. Yeah, and he's isolated himself too. Yeah. Like he doesn't he doesn't really have anyone around other than Calcifer and Markle, and he's not really even around for Markle, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah, no, it just all makes sense for me because I think I just overthink about that. But I make it so dramatic that <laughs> how it just having like some mental health issues that the way he decorated the bedroom, it just reflect his childhood that it was very like, messy yeah. and chaos. But um, I don't, I, I don't, don't think know. your interpretation is dramatic at all. I'd, I'd love to hear no, more. I think, yeah, because <laughs> I mean, he's literally. Uh, uh, everything that he experiences in the movie is enough to make a normal person need therapy immediately. So yeah. I don't think you're being dramatic <laughs> at all. I mean, he's going to war. How yeah. needs therapy? <laughs> yes. No, for real. I I don't know. I when I'm analyze about how more I I think of the term that I heard a few years ago that is smiling depressions, like. Do you guys know that term? Maybe I can explain a bit yeah. of it. But smiling depression is just like a term for someone who living with depressions on the inside, but they just not show it outside for other people to know. They still believe that this person have a fine life so that nobody can actually like approach them to mm-hmm. help. And that's what I feel in-house. Like He's always trying to run away and reject yeah. everybody to stay away from me, something like that. And uh, it's throwback to the scene where he just somehow, like, redecorate everything in the house to, like, make new room for other people and then lead Sophie to a new place where he believed that she's going to like it. And um, also, he mentioned, like, uh, I'm making this for you to make you feel, like, have a comfort life. But then she just paused a little bit and she feel like, okay, there's something wrong with this guy. Are you going to run away? And for me, that that is just like a side of like being suicide. And I think it's very Mm -hmm. serious if somebody like Sophie doesn't 
like actually notice that side, what will he become? I agree. I think Hal is entirely not just willing to die, but willing to risk losing his humanity. Uh, originally, it has to do with just kind of like his uh, passion against the war. And then it does turn into like he's willing to die or risk losing his humanity to protect Sophie and his family. Um, and I think we, we should I think we should talk about that scene in general from from the beginning, because it starts with him choosing to show her this place that is special to him and uh she was like you didn't do all of this for me did you and he was like oh no I just helped the plants grow with just a little bit of magic um so I think starting there and that this is coming from a place of him wanting to like I feel share something that's very personal to him that he loves with Sophie um and Sophie looks very young during this scene until later um when he says something a little too lovey and then she gets shy um but it, and also I kind of think Sophie's comment here is interesting she says it's it all seems so familiar though I've never been here before foreshadowing yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely um sorry <laughs> I was, okay. just, I was I'm scrolling through my notes <laughs> yeah you're good. um but yeah uh yeah he you can tell like kind of at the beginning he uh, he does have a little bit of a I don't really care what happens to me, you know, type of type of mentality. Um, but as the movie goes on, he's he start he he starts to kind of like um, do things to protect others. And I notice in the scene where he brings um, Sophie to his childhood home, uh, yeah. they see a warship, and he uses he uses his magic to um, kind of like stop it from being able to move forward. And Sophie notices that it's turned his um, hand all feathery and he's like twitching and it seems painful like he's trying to with, uh, withstand it. And um, you can really see like he's he's doing it for her and he's he's putting himself in danger of becoming a monster for her. And I think before it was more like he just didn't really like he just didn't he was really depressed and probably yeah. didn't have much that he thought he wanted to live for. I agree. If she hadn't been there, I think he would have gone full um, bird mode, <laughs> for lack <laughs> of a better mode. term. Bird mode. He would have gone full bird mode, I think, and just destroyed and started fighting everyone. Uh, but I think because Sophie's there, you know, he's a little more worried about her safety now. That is his new first priority. Um and I really like what you brought up, Betty, about kind of like the signs of being suicidal or just having a very detch, uh, detrimental or self-sabotaging kind of like behavior. And Sophie does recognize that. And that is so important because Hal is not willing to acknowledge that that is how fall he is really or how far he has fallen into kind of this pit of depression and just not taking care of himself and everything. Sophie calls him out on it. And I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that just somehow also s- emphasize like their special relationship because for real when you ask me about like something what what's wrong with uh, the childhood scene the flashback in the class before uh, we recording I just feel it under like um, the therapy aspect that yeah. Sophie just somehow like a therapist to how that she is trying to dig deeper into what what's wrong with this guy and how to help him. That's why there's a flashback there. So, yeah. I I agree. And she's there for him in his darkest moments. Um, 
And, like, for me, another scene that really stands out is the one when uh, he returns and he has all the feathers, but he's very bloody. And, Sarah, you had said, was it a dream, that scene? Yeah. Um, yeah, and she she's very concerned for him. She wakes up. She sees the blood and the feathers. Uh, so she starts heading to his room, and she opens it. And we kind of talked about how it doesn't look like how his room had originally looked. It's like a, it's like a void. Um, a tunnel, uh, yeah. 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 And... What I took away from that is a few things, but the fact that she closed the door behind her, she trusts him. I think that's kind of how I interpreted that. Um, Because if you go into a scary place, you might want to leave the door open, you know? But she chooses to close it, and I think that's kind of her trust. And then the whole conversation they have there, and I have some quotes to kind of prompt the discussion. She says, "Uh, no, I'm not going away. I'm going to help break the spell that you're under. And he goes, you or she says, you don't understand. I love you, but he says you're too late. So what do y'all, what do y'all think? <laughs> um, well, it's interesting because it's we don't know if this is a dream because it seems because she because after all of this he flies away and she wakes up. So it's like, is this Sophie's subconscious saying that she's not going to be able to save him? He's going to leave her, type of thing or. I don't I don't know how to interpret it. Is it is it something like that? Yeah. I don't know either cuz <laughs> there's actually no evidence to show that whether that scene is just a dream or it's actually happened because for Calcifer, I think that's actually happened because we can see the footstep and how it just like invisible. But that's why I'm concerned is that a dream or not because there's a footstep and the feather Sophie, oh. pick up the feather. Oh, wait, is it after she wakes up? It's before she wakes oh. up. I think whether it's a dream or not, that we can still interpret some of like the elements there, which I agree with what you say, Sarah, that I, she is afraid of him leaving, and she also expresses that in the garden. Um, so it's kind of like a continued fear that he's going to leave her. Um, but I also think her expressing... She, this is like the first time she expresses so openly that she loves him and that she wants to stay by his side. Uh, and his comment that it's too late, for me, that brings me back to this whole like time travel thing we have going on oh, okay. where she sees him in the past and how recognize, well, not recognizes her yet, but sees her right in the past. Um, and then she's like, find me in the future. I know how to help you now. Um, and then back to the very beginning of the film when he first sees her and he's like, oh, I've been looking for you everywhere. And so I, I don't know, there's this kind of weird like time thing going on where it's like how knew he needed to find Sophie to be saved. And then when he says in the dream, but you're too late, Sophie kind of I think she feels she does take a lot of that on herself where she feels responsible for Hal's recovery. And there's a lot of self blame, I think that's not very healthy. Yeah, I I feel like that's a good interpretation of that. Yeah. (laughs) Rob is like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... (laughs) We agree, yeah. Yeah. So there's that scene, and then we we could go ahead and talk about if y'all have any comments on the scene where she sees young Hal, or just in general, when she takes that step through that door. I don't know. I kind of talk a lot about that, like just the therapy when you go back deeper into somebody's childhood to find like what is the root of the problem and how can I help this person to get out of their depressions so that's just what I think about that scene so I don't yeah. know if Sarah have any other interpretation um, 
Not really. I mean, it was... When I first watched the movie, I was watching with, like, a translation. And it just... It was it was a very complicated scene, just with, like, yeah. reading it and, like, how it was translated. And I still even think, like, watching it in English. It was, you know, it's it's really kind of up for interpretation. It's not, it's not, there's not a yeah. clear, like, oh, this is what it is, you know. So I do, I do think it's, I it's, agree. yeah, it's her kind of, like, being sort of a, someone there for him. Like, mm-hmm. it, like kind of like a therapist, you know, digging deep and being like, I, like, I can help you sort of thing. I, I agree with both y'all's interpretation. I, I think it's a physical thing that does happen, and I do think it has to do with magic and perhaps uh, potentially Sophie's magic that she may or may not have. But I, do, I, I agree. I do think it's kind of like her having to go into his past to uncover, you know, the root of the problem. Um, and it I don't know. It kind of would confirm a little bit my theory earlier that um, Calcifer was a dying star who needed house heart to live because when she sees that that's when she gets the idea that uh she thinks she knows how to save them uh and then i think a big symbol in in the film in general but especially in that scene is the ring that Hal gives her that is supposed to be able to help her find him uh it dissolves right after she finds the root of the issue which is in his childhood it dissolves right after that oh, it just yeah. knew it knew it didn't she, she found didn't need it him anymore. i guess i guess yeah. that was that was her true the- the true like, hand. Yeah. Definitely. That was that's very And then the door very insightful. Once like, once and I oh I also like that she starts crying because uh we love some Ghibli tears, first of all, and the way they're animated and the placement of when they the characters cry is always really good. Uh but as someone that's very sensitive and cries a lot, like she's like crying and she's like, I, I can't seem to stop crying. I don't know why. And I, I think that's valid. I think Sophie, like myself, and I, I don't know if y'all feel this way too. I feel like I'm an empath. And so you just cry to cry for someone else, you know? Yeah. No, I I really impressed by the crying scenes of Chipley. And I feel like being a girl, you have that privilege to cry more than a boy. And now it's the boy problem, you know? Like how he actually been through a lot of things, even though he need, in his like childhood, he's... There's never a scene like he's crying. Yeah. And I think about that because he talked to Calcifer when Calcifer makes some comment about the the fire in the gunpowder that they lost the ability to empathize with empathize. Yeah, empathize with other people. Yeah. And Cal just how just say like no, they just forget they ever knew how to cry. And that's mm-hmm. him too. He never know how to spread his sorrow and his weary to other people. Yeah, and so it's like when Sophie cries, and she's crying for him, really, um, it's kind of like she's saying it's okay to cry. Yeah. Because I don't think how, like, we kind of talked about that he's emotionally stunted, and he never really dealt with his trauma. So I think Sophie crying for him there, in a way, is kind of the release that Hal needs. So, yeah, that that's such a special scene. And then... Um, the door disappears right behind her afterwards, and that was the end of that door, you know, and never yeah. came back. Uh, yeah, that's very interesting because the door is just somewhere how it doesn't let anybody to get in, the black door. So now it's disappeared, like it's the end of everything. Like how I mentioned, yeah. the statue on Spirit Away is kind of act that way. So, yeah. I oh, really just like that. Uh-huh, just the re- flash for... Um, 
Sarah, I just like have uh, interpret the statue in front of Spirit Away at the end of the movie. Kind of spoil for you, but um, so the face in the stone just disappeared, like just to end the journey that Chihiro just been through. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, I I oh. agree. That's it, and I like the way you worded it. That it's a place that he won't let anyone go, but Sophie, mm-hmm. and the ring leads him there because I think it's deep down, even how subconscious know that knows that he needs this, and he needs Sophie to see this to help him. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I've exhausted my notes. Do y'all have any lingering thoughts, interpretations? Um, I not, yeah, not really. If I'm gonna be honest, I don't know. I just have a quick comment about the hair again. <laughs> I feel like the hair is something that make people actually justify. <laughs> so I don't know. For Sophie, uh, she changed from black long hair to like a short gray one to find a new aspect of herself but for house he changed from a blonde hair which he made up to fit in with the society but then he returned to the true original hair color that he has when he's in as a trial so i think that's interesting but yeah yeah no, he he returns to his self before he was under put under that curse yeah um Oh, I I guess just one more small thing to touch on before we end is the fact that Sophie quite literally fights for his heart. Um, It's physically represented in the movie when she's uh, trying to grab it from the Witch of the Waste. Um, And the fact that she's willing to touch the flames of his heart, you know, like it just kind of shows her dedication to him and how much she loves him. Uh, and then when she pours water on it, she's not thinking. She's thinking compassionately about the Witch of the Waste. Even though this woman has stole his heart and is being, um, for back of a little word, she's being bad. Um, you know, she she's still concerned about her safety. And so that's why she pours the water without thinking. Um, and so I, to me, that just meant a lot, I guess. Mm-hmm. I have another quick symbol <laughs> before we end. Yeah. I save it for like the very ending because I think it's very interesting to wrap up with that it's about a title of the movie so the way you read it is can be like two different meanings so you when you say like house moving castle it can first mean like the moving castle of house so it show like the main thing of the movie like a magical castle of how just never stay in the same place it's just wandering around because he the owner has not yet found the purpose of his life so he's just wandering around around and on the other hand, if you use it under like the perspective of using like abbreviation, it's like how is moving the castle. So it's now the action of how is know how to control the castle to go to places to places that he knew he going to he want to be there. So I don't know if it makes sense, but I think it's very interesting because when you say the title out loud, it's kind of mean two different way. For me, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I think I like, I think the first interpretation fits uh, the view of the movie a little more because I mm-hmm. do think he's very aimless and kind of, like you said, purposeless. But then also to imagine that uh, Hal is moving the castle kind of shows that ever since he was young, he's been searching for Sophie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we had the good point to end. If you guys have any quick comments or not. Do you, okay, sorry. This is this is really quick. Do you guys think that Hal made the castle to look for Sophie? Like why why it's moving mm-hmm. around? 
Because he's you, he he's did good. say, I've been looking for you forever. So do you think that's why he did it? Hmm. I think there could be multiple reasons. I think he could be using it as kind of an escape. That's why it's moving. He doesn't want to be detected. Um, but yeah, maybe also to find Sophie. Maybe that was kind of the secondary um, goal of having the castle. That would make sense. Yeah, I agree with Avery. Because it's kind of touch uh, at the beginning of the movie where the girls just explain why how's making this castle just to like running away from the Witch of the Waste. But I love the second one, like, he made the castle for Sophie, yeah, so I'm going to stick with I like, it. <laughs> I like the second one. It's like, he made it for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's all yeah. I have to say. Um, and then I don't have anything rather intelligent to say other than um, Turnip, is, Turnip Head is underrated, um, but then at the same time, <laughs> the fact that Sophie's is true love. <laughs> That's so sad. I know. Oh my god. Second lead syndrome. After like, he literally saves them. I know. His pole snaps over it. Um, he's like, he's like, oh my gosh, you're my love. And she's like, Bye. You know what he <laughs> says to the Witch of the Waste? He was like, but I'll be back. Because one thing I can count on is that hearts always change. Yeah, and I'm he's just like, like, okay, buddy. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. yeah. But did y'all think it was kind of like just a convenient plot cop out that he happened to be the missing prince that the war has started over yeah I, I think i think it's because i think it's because like so much of the plot is about the war but the real focus is kind of like the character development yeah like that's kind of like the the plot right but it's, it's kind of like the catalyst for them changing and like actually having to face their problems you know you know what i'm saying because otherwise hal would not have been called to the castle yeah he would nothing that like None of those events would have happened without the war, but I feel like the war isn't, like, the main, wasn't the main, like, I agree. Focus. It's, like, the physical war is, like, the plot device. Yeah. Um, whereas the internal war is really the main yeah. theme So once, focus. So once they find him, it's like, okay, yeah, the war's over. They right? just need, I think they just needed to wrap it up yeah. as well. Um, and we do kind of see the internal war and the physical war end at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's like, they're, they've gotten through their problems oh the prince okay it's done <laughs> you know so i yeah. think i think yeah it's it was it was they the main focus was more about like them getting over their problems so since we're about done for the people watching i wanted to show my house earrings because <laughs> i was wearing them for the first part but the headphones were covering it so bam i could do like the little youtuber like <laughs> I just wanted to share. If you're just listening, that's okay. Just know that they look like house earrings. And yeah, I'm and very happy earrings, with them. They're like little green dangly yeah. little earrings. They're I think nice. I got them on Etsy. I don't know. Oh, ASMR moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, I think we had a good point to wrap up all the conversation we have. It's been very long, to be honest, to be two parts. So um, sticking with our tradition, do you guys want to pick up like the next movie we are going to watch? Oh, we should rate, rate. it first. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> okay, so uh, for the scale out of five? Five out of five for me. And I don't even think I need to explain the fact that we had to make two episodes to talk about this film. Yeah. Just says enough. But what about y'all? Yeah, I would say five out of five. Like, any movie that actually makes me cry and, like, makes me feel something. Okay, that sounds really bad. But, like, <laughs> when I feel something. Sarah wants to feel something. No, it's, it's, just, it's just, like, some, it's kind of, like, up to me. There's just something so impressive about, 
literal just animation and music is just is so there's so much feeling in it and I just it's poignant as hell yes 10 out of 10 5 out of 5 yeah yeah I agree I agree the same too 5 out of 5 I mean I used to mention it's my favorite movie and it's still my favorite movie after I rewatched like almost all the Ghibli movie and it's actually the same as Sarah it makes me feel something and and I actually cry for it after every time I rewatch it so I still like feel like it somehow still touch me some different parts, even though I've been through a lot of things all yeah. the way I rewatch it over and over again. Yeah, and it's not even like inherently sad, but it's still just mm-hmm. like it's just so Oh wow. It's, I feel like always, it's, it's the inner healing. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say you can always count on a Ghibli movie to make you cry. <laughs> <laughs> so even even the happier ones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so for our next movie, I can go ahead and, and, and of course, Sarah, we'd love to know if you're interested in doing this next one with us. But um, we have remaining for Miyazaki, Ghibli specific, um, is Castle in the Sky, The Wind Rises, and Porco Rosso. Is there one that's really sad? Is do you do you guys know? <laughs> you want to do a sad one? Honestly, I would love a good cry. I mean, I, and I just feel like that that would be kind of interesting to watch. I don't know. I think that would say the wind rises. Yeah, but I also wonder because we talking about a castle. Should we do the castle again in oh. the sky? Yeah, you know so, we could. Yeah. I'm okay with anything. Let's, let's do castle in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe. Maybe we'll end on The Wind Rises to make everyone cry. Yeah, <laughs> we should make everyone cry. Oh my god, that movie's so sad. Yeah. But oh. So stay tuned. We will be recording Castle in the Sky next. And potentially, maybe if we ever have time, uh, we could do a little book review of the book, if we have time to read it, yeah. of the house book. So that would be a cool comparison, I think. But other than that, I think Betty's going to wrap us up. Yeah, <laughs> so we had a very good uh, discussion through part one, through part two. So <laughs> I think uh, I hope that you can like do some other interesting interpretation based on our discussion about this movie. And if you have not watched it yet, but you follow along with us, go watch it. <laughs> Actually, I believe that you will feel something like Sarah and I did in every two. But yeah, thank you so much for listening for today and we will be back soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.